Now from chapter 37, in Ezekiel, the hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded and as I prophesied suddenly there was a noise or rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone. I looked and there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy mortal and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Dr. Cindy Rigby stood here last week as our Barton Clinton Gordy lecturer and talked to us about the triune God of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and how we interact with this God, and God's love surrounds us at all times. This morning we read from Ezekiel. He is prophesying, that is, speaking a word for God. Now he's prophesying or writing in a time before the whole of Israel has been overrun by the Babylonians, but they have come and taken some of the leaders, including Ezekiel, back to Babylon. So they are in exile, even though there's still some of their people at home. But some of them who have been the early exiles have already died. And because of that and because of their circumstances, even those who are alive are beginning to lose hope or maybe already have lost hope. In that situation of despair, Ezekiel senses God coming to him and calling him to speak. In fact, this whole book is his response to God coming to him and calling him to speak. If you flip back over to the first part of Ezekiel, chapter 1 is a rather bizarre vision, and then chapter 2 begins like this. It says, Ezekiel says, the Lord said to me, O mortal, stand up on your feet, and I will speak with you. 
And when he spoke to me, a spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. He said to me, Mortal, I am sending you to the people of Israel, to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are impotent and stubborn. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And in the rest of the book, he is sharing words of inspiration from God. He believes this is a spirit-led or inspired vision that he's sharing. Then you see the same continuity in chapter 37. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. So he's having a vision. Ezekiel's having a vision, but it is of death. It begins with death. There are these human remains, human bones, if you will, and they've been there a long time, he says. They were very dry. That is, they've been baking in the sun for a good long while. And as after he sees the vision, the Spirit of the Lord says to him, Mortal, can these bones live? He answers, O oh Lord God, you know. I think Ezekiel is not sure at this point. I think perhaps he's lost hope with the rest of the people that there's death and exile and oppression all around, and he's having this experience with God. But he's not full of hope just yet. He's not sure that God can do anything or do enough to change their circumstances or to bring life out of death or life out of dry bones. Dr. Rigby, in her book, Holding Faith, where she writes about theological doctrines and practical terms, talks about this whole idea of how do we hold on to faith? What does it mean to be a generation of people that hold faith and walk through life with faith? How do we hold on to our faith? And as this text describes, especially in difficult or desperate situations, Ezekiel is not ready to speak a word of hope until God speaks to him. In verses 4, 5, and 6, God then reassures Ezekiel that not only is the divine presence with him and with the people, but that their God, the Lord God, is ready to act on their behalf and will indeed act to help them out. It is a God-inspired speech or vision that Ezekiel is speaking. Yet it's important to remember that God can speak in a variety of ways. Here in Ezekiel, we have a vision, but we have all kinds of literature in these compilation of books we call the Bible, these 66 different books. When Dr. Rigby in her book begins to talk about how to read Scripture, she suggests rather than literally, we read Scripture in a way she describes as expansively. Let me read you a few of the things she says. She reminds us when she begins this section that this whole idea that the whole Bible is literally factual is a very new idea. 
that it didn't come about until after the Enlightenment and the scientific revolution and people began to think we should have to test everything and make sure it's empirically true. She says for some 1,800 years, Christians recognize there's all different kinds of literature and that God can speak in different ways, but in some ways we've kind of gotten caught up when the scientific revolution has led us astray in terms of biblical interpretation. Let me read a few sentences that she writes. She says, the problem with reading all passages of Scripture as though they are composed of literal facts is that it misses out on much of what the Bible has to offer. Since not all passages were meant to be read and interpreted literally, clearly the Bible is full of literary genres and styles, including poetry, instruction, historical biography, parables, songs, prophecy, advice, drama, lament, and most controversially, perhaps, myth. Each of these should be enjoyed and studied in the form it takes, otherwise something will be lost. She used the creation myths, the creation stories in the beginning of Genesis as an illustration. She writes, any question about whether God literally made Eve out of Adam's rib pales in comparison with the truth that God made Eve out of Adam's rib, meaning that she is and we all are made in relation to one another, bone of bone, flesh of flesh. This matters, simply put, she says, because it says something about everything. When I know you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, I will love you as I love myself. I will treat you justly, doing you no harm. When each one of us knows they share bones and flesh with every other, violence will cease. Bodies will be valued and fed and protected. The wholeness and harmony that is God's creative intention will be restored. Then at the end of the paragraph, she says, this truth of the creation story can never be diminished by whatever is true in evolution. She is saying there's more here than just a set of facts. The Bible contains the deepest truths about our lives and our own relationships, both with God and with one another. I tell you all this because this book of Ezekiel, when you read through it, is rather bizarre. It's the set of visions, and Ezekiel goes in a whole variety of directions. But what we have said as a community of faith is that God can speak in different ways and come to us in different forms, and the Bible demonstrates that in terms of the variety of literature it contains for us. But I want you to understand you don't have to read this as literal, but you can still understand it as truth about our relationship with each other and our relationship with God, a truth that God is revealing this morning through Ezekiel. The good news here is that even in the midst of trouble, God is with us and for us. You can hear it, I think, in verse 11 most clearly. Then the Spirit of the Lord says to Ezekiel, Mortal? These bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up 
and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy, or speak for me, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. That's it right there. And you shall know that I am the Lord. God wants the people to know, wants us to know that the Lord is here. I am the Lord, your God, and I am present and I'm active in the world and in your life. Dr. Rigby reminds us how important this is. She suggested when she was here, she says in her book as well, is that when we're willing to engage in reading the Bible, when we're willing to engage in reflecting and studying and meditating on the Word of God, that that draws us into the very life of God. You remember she talked about this community of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and how they have this relationship, this community of life, and that we can be drawn into that. And she says one of the ways that happens is through reading and immersing ourselves in the Scripture and opening ourselves to new revelations that God can speak to us through the words in this book. Lent is a season that gives us an opportunity to do this very kind of work. Lent gives us an opportunity and we are invited to carve out more time for prayer, for reading and meditating on Scripture, for setting down perhaps the fear and the worry and the stress that we carry with us so much of the time, to carve out time to focus on God, to open our hearts and minds and our very lives to the life of God. I've shared with a few of you some things about this trip to the Holy Land. One of the things that happens when you get to go to the Holy Land is that you learn a lot about geography or terrain. One day our bus is driving outside of Jericho. It's winding around these hills. And finally, we crest up upon this small hill and the bus driver pulls off the road. Our guide says, everybody get out. And we pile out on this dusty road. And there's hills in front of us. And he said, look out over the hills. And then the turns into this rock face that soars into the sky and he says look up there and you can see holes or caves in the side of the rock and he says this is where we believe that jesus faced his 40 days of temptation he lived up there in one of those caves now i always thought that it was a desert sort of a wilderness like a flat sandy place but you know, when you look at the Gospels, it does actually describe this. It says that the Spirit led Jesus, led Jesus up into the wilderness. And remember, one of the temptations was he took him to a very high mountain. And it's a very rocky area. And you'll remember, one of the temptations is to turn stones into bread. And when you're standing there and seeing this huge rock face in these caves... The scripture just comes alive in a new and fresh way. Forty days, the gospels tell us that Jesus spent out in this cave working on his identity, 
on his relationship with God about who he was going to be and what his commitments in life were going to look like. It came alive for me and I think for some others of us a few days ago. But now we find ourselves here in the midst of these 40 days of Lent. It's an opportunity to be led by the Spirit to reflect upon our own identity and our relationship with God and what our commitments and priorities are going to be all about. Will you make time? Lent invites us to make extra time to be more intentional and diligent about our Christian life. Will you choose something to take on or give up that reminds you to take time to listen to God during these 40 days? This season of Lent and this story from Ezekiel have a similar purpose they both want to introduce us to the living God. They want to draw us ever closer into a relationship with God. Listen to the last verse we read today. It sums it up so well. God is speaking through Ezekiel and says, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I'll place you on your own soil and then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Amen.